0: Hello, and welcome to The Dreadclaw. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Dreadclaw. Today I'll be joined by absolutely nobody except me. Yes? I am flying this particular Dreadclaw down from the cruiser that is the Edge of Empires into Planet Wisdom. And today I'm going to be trying to talk to you about various aspects of deployment and the gaming side of that. So this conversation really came around because uh, it's quite a tricky thing to get into the old heresy game. And one of the things that uh, I was speaking to a, a friend of mine, John, about was the Almost impenetrable um, level that you need to go to to understand this game and how many games you actually need to play before you understand it. So, what I'm trying to do today is to have a little, give you a little short circuit, if you like, if you're a new player uh, or a relatively, or a beginner even, and never played the game before, uh, into some of the insights that I've accumulated over the years. Now, I want to be absolutely clear here I'm not a pro gamer. You won't see me on the top 10 lists of any gaming sites anywhere. I'm just not that good. But I do have some you know, experience, I suppose, and uh, I like to understand the game. And I've also spent quite a lot of time working with people and sort of giving them hints and tips and things. So hopefully uh, this will be of relevance to people who have played the game before and people who are new to it. So that is the plan. So why are we doing this? Well, I think recently there's been a lot of focus and attention on lists and list building and a lot of people have been oh shh, look at that list and to be honest with you i'm not immune from that myself but one of the things that has been pointed out and should probably be taken into consideration although it makes it very difficult for us people who organize events is that actually it's not all about the list quite a lot of the time it's about how good a player you are so to give you an example of that there are a couple of very good players that i know um, who use who and a reason why i think they're very good players is because i've seen them uh, events taking different armies, never mind different lists, and still being as successful. Now, that's not the list building because the armies that they've taken are, are very varied. That is because they're good players and they know how to play the game. So, um, an example for me is somebody like Ben Williams, who comes to Company of Legends and, I've, and has been at um, various events that I've been to, taking different armies every time and is always there and thereabouts. Um, Another one, a very good player who I played against is William Henry. Uh, He had Salamanders and now he's playing this really phenomenal uh, White Scars list. But again, I don't think it's all about the lists, you know. I think these people are just very good players and nice fellas too. So don't get me wrong, these aren't win-at-all-costs kinds of guys. So I think it's important to remember that although lists are an important factor in the game, the game isn't won or lost just on lists, now, I know what you're saying out there. I can feel the wrath already rising. People saying, oh, that's nonsense, Graham. What are you talking about? You know, if I have to go up against Magnus and his band of merry men, I'm going to get absolutely slaughtered with my world eaters army. Okay, fair enough. I get it. There is a certain aspect of that. But I think its point to remember is that actually de- what we're talking about here is deployment. And that deployment is such an important part of the game that the game can actually be won or lost regardless of whether you have Magnus or the... Sekhmet Terminators known to man and a, you know, war hound or warlord Titan in your army, the deployment phase can actually make a huge amount of difference to that. So what I'm going to try and do today, like I said, is to give you some idea of the different types of armies, the different types of deployment. And although I'm not saying that, you know, if you have a world leader's army that is basically just full of screaming tactical squads against Magnus and his band of merry men, you are going to win. All I'm saying is it might give you uh, your opponent uh, pause for thought and at least uh, make the game slightly more interesting for you because you'll feel that you're contributing to it. The reverse is also true, that even if you have a very, very powerful list, you can be undone by your deployment and by a, a canny player on the other side can can force those kinds of mistakes. So don't rely on your lists. Think about the tactics. And this is what this particular dre- dreadclaw is all about. So... To give you an idea of what we're going to talk about today, uh, we're going to go through the deployment, kind of the why's and wherefores of deployment, uh, about all of the, the different things you should be thinking about deployment. What's the point of deployment? Uh, the types of deployment that you can use, uh, and also the types of opponents lists, and what you should do to deploy against them, and what would be the rec- what I would recommend, in my limited experience and knowledge, as a good tactic to deploy against them. So that's basically the the sort of format of it at the end of the episode what i'll do is i'll um i'm going to kind of put this into practice because i've got i'm going to the london heresy eventually um by the time this comes out hopefully it would have either happened or will be happening and uh so what i've done is i've taken my list that i'm going to take to um the london heresy and i've picked three uh lists at random that i could be facing and I'll talk you through what I would be thinking about doing in terms of purely deployment against those armies. Now, I don't know what the missions are. I don't know what um, the objectives are. So I'm going to assume that in all of these instances in that end bit, that it's going to be a dawn of war with a standard uh, get into the other person's deployment zone style mission, shatter strike or something along those lines. But anyway, we'll, we'll certainly come on to that shortly. So deployments, the whys and the wherefores. So, is deployment important and why is it deployment? That's the first question, really. And the answer is yes and yes, (laughs) not unsurprisingly. So, the thing about deployment is that you can honestly lose a game if you get it wrong. Because if you make things really difficult for yourself through your own actions, you've made things very easy for your opponent. So it's really worth remembering, though, that kind of adage. You know, the, the the point of deployment in my book, if I'm completely honest with you, is I want to make it as difficult as is humanly possible for my opponent to win the game. Because, you know, we're talking about the Iron Warriors here, and they they this is completely what they're about. So without sounding win-at-all-costy, because this isn't about that at all, this is about just having a few tips and tricks to make your games slightly more interesting, particularly when facing against really, really powerful lists. So I want to make that clear, this isn't a shortcut to you know win at all costs and that you will be the greatest player known to man it's not that just some ideas for people who are new to the game uh, or people who've been around a bit might want to have a think about it so like i said what you're trying to achieve in your deployment in is to two things really first of all you need to understand the mission before you do anything else so it's really key that you read that mission and um, you understand what it is your objectives are for winning that mission now, what I tend to do uh, is, because I've come a cropper on this one on numerous occasions in numerous events. So there may be some, you know, hidden thing that was written on this that isn't quite the same as the normal Red Book mission, and you just realise you've thrown the game away because you didn't read it. So my advice for this particular bit is to always read the mission, and better still, go and read it with your opponent. So if, particularly if you're at an event, if it isn't just you having a game with your friends, uh, if you're at an event, it's a great way of breaking the ice with your opponent. So go around the table, introduce yourself and talk through the mission so that you both understand what the um, scoring criteria is. So there's no ambiguity at the end of the game, there's no arguments. And that's a really good thing because then you can start talking about, you know, oh I really like your army, it looks fantastic. Um, what, what got you into heresy, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. You can start a bit of that, you know, human interaction. Shock horror um i know that could be an anath- anathema to a lot of people but really this is a game about two people having fun and i think that actually gives the the whole talk through the mission thing gives you a real good opportunity to break some you know some of those barriers down with your opponent so if you both understand the mission you both understand what you need to do everybody's clear and what they're doing and plus it gives you a chance to catch up with them um i would also advise at that stage to talk through your army list just as a courtesy um, I always do this, or at least give the person the opportunity to 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 see your list, but not just hand the list over. Go and speak to them and say, look, this is my list. Uh, this is what I've got. And particularly if you're running a, an off-piste army, and I say that in the nicest sense of the word, something like Mechanicum, uh, cults, militia, demons, um, anything that isn't basically a space marine derivative, I would always take the extra effort if I was you, just to say, look, you know, these they they've got this many wounds, they've got these guns, they're pretty hard. Um, you know, three plus saves, whatever. All of that kind of stuff that people may not know because one of the interesting things that came out of Company of Legends that Greg Dan was saying was that actually, you know what, Mechanicum are pretty tough and I'm, you know, people who listen to Edge em- of Empires will know my uh, deep and abiding hatred for Mechanicum. But the point that Greg made, which is valid, I think, is that actually it's not so much about how strong Mechanicum are or what's in the Mechanicum, it's just that people don't know how to play against them. And that is absolutely true, because it's, they're not the same. So maybe another dreadcore about how to defeat Mechanicum, and I might uh, call on maybe Greg, if you coming on ours, to talk to us about that. But um, I think it's, you know, it's key for you to uh, to make your opponent understand if you've got anything crazy, because that just, again, it breaks down a, a number of barriers. And also, you know what? It, it's, it's funny to talk these things through, and people can go, oh, my God, I can't believe you've got this, that, and the other. But anyway, it's a bit of a digression, so... First things first, always understand your mission because understanding your mission is really key. Second thing there really is about understanding your opponent's army list as well, which is really crucial because those are the two factors that you need to understand how you are going to deploy. The third thing is slightly more random, um, which is whether you're going to go first or second, but we'll come on to that in a minute. So to give you some idea of the, the types of deployment, so these are the common... Um, deployment types, models, if you like, that that there are kicking around. And like I said, I'm not a pro player. I am not, you know, the world's greatest uh, heresy player. Far from it. You're never going to see me in the top 10 of anything uh, heresy-wise. But um, I do think it's, it's worth looking at some of these things to give you some kind of shortcuts uh, and a little bit of uh, framework that you can potentially do. So there's three that i'm aware of and there's probably many more to be honest with you um i'd pro- probably go to 4 actually because i'm just not making my mind up at the moment but the num- the objective the sort of deployment types are castling up so castling up is an expression used where basically <clears throat> excuse me you take your entire army and you put it in an area and you defend that area to the hill. So this is a, if you don't need to move your army, if it's a gun line kind of army, um, or you're, you're very worried about being assaulted, you know, castling up is a, is a tactic. It looks pretty rubbish. I do it. I'm not lying. Um, because sometimes you need to, particularly if you're going to get rushed, but we'll come on to that in a minute. So that's the first thing. A castle up is basically putting all of your army in one area, uh, usually in a corner so that you're only, can only be attacked on two sides. And if you put it in the middle, you're then going to get attacked on three sides. So that is, you know, people do that. I've seen that a few times. Uh, gun line deployment, that is fairly um, common as well, particularly, uh, you know, when there's lots of shooting units, is really just to sort of line your guys up along the back and try and outshoot your opponent. Again, that is a common enough tactic that you would use against assault based armies because the further they are away from you, the um, more time you've got to shoot them. And that is key. Um, The other thing to remember with that, it only really works if you're going for stuff like, uh, you know, number of units killed. If you need to move your army, both the castle up and the gun line aren't going to help you any because they're not designed to be moved. So unless you can categorically convince yourself that you can destroy that army in its entirety without having to move your army... Uh, you may need to think of something else. And so you end up with kind of hybrids, um, but basically uh, where you have to do a bit of both. Now, the third one would be an assault if you were deploying to to assault the other side. Now, the key about deploying for assault is that you want to be as close as possible to the army. So you're going to generally be, you know, have your deployment troops, your um, transports, whatever, on the edge of your deployment zone, ready to go. Now, again... That does depend on whether you go first or second, because you're going to take, probably, unless you're going against another assault army, you're going to take a fair battering of shooting. If The whole point of an assault army, though, is it's designed to do that, i.e. to get through that first turn or two uh, and to get its precious cargo delivered into the back line of your opponent to cause all manner of merry hell. So that's an assault variant. Um, The third one, which is slightly more... Um sorry, fourth one, which is slightly more uh, esoteric, let's use that word, uh, is the null deployment. You may have heard this uh, term kicked around. So a null deployment is where you don't deploy anything. And this is where you are using rights of war like orbital assault or drop pod assault, something along those lines, where you can guarantee that your army is going to come in turn one in some form or another. Now, it's risky because if you have no troops no troops no units at the end of the your turn and basically um the game is won by your opponent so you have to be fairly confident that whatever you're putting on the board can survive long enough for the rest of your units to turn up so a null deployment is you deploy nothing and it's a good tactic against shooting armies because Basically, it means they've got a round of not shooting anything. Particularly if you get to go first, and then you, or if you get the option of going first, you don't. You go second because you've basically taken one turn of shooting out of the game. If you're if you're lucky, so a lot of people with null deployment will do a couple of things. Firstly, they will have some kind of um, they will look for a, a wall or trait or something along those lines, or a Damocles command, runner they can hide somewhere to make sure their reserves come in because that's key to that army it needs to get the reserves in the second thing is um, they'll be looking for units that are survivable uh, when they do come down because you're really relying on half your army turning up and then the other half coming in in drips and drabs and you have to be expecting uh, to take some serious casualties but like i said it is super handy uh, against shooting armies because you can effectively take one turn of their shooting out. If you can manipulate, that's just another another thing that you'd be looking for. If you were doing this, you'd want to have something to manipulate your reserve rolls so that you can boost your chances of getting stuff in on turn two onwards. You'd also want something to um, manipulate whether you go first or second or any pluses to seize initiative or something along those lines because then you can basically force that first turn to happen for your opponent and they can be shooting at nothing you can hide your damocles command rhino or a uh, you know a single figure or something a long way away and just hope that it survives the the onslaught you would then be splitting half your arm up if you're doing drop pod assault um, and bringing down units in turn one but after um the your, your opponent's shooting phase so you've you've skipped a, a round of being shot at if you're lucky um now the problems with that is that nothing can come down an assault turn one so you are still going to take a, a withering amount of fire and uh, you just need to make sure you've got the units to to do that and a dread claw uh, funnily enough is an excellent unit for that because it doesn't have to make it doesn't require the unit inside to jump out the turn it turns up unlike a conventional dread drop pod which does yeah, basically the doors open the guys get out um now a lot of the time if you're going to do that with conventional drop pods you'll be putting veterans or uh, support squads down with melter guns to try and take care of something like a super heavy or um a particularly nasty tank or, or a, a big unit of terminators or something like that but you'd expect to probably use that lose that unit in the following turn. so it's come down cause all manner of da- damage and die um, the other ones are the slightly longer term ones which may be terminators for example with cataphractile armor so they've got a two plus four plus so anyway null deployments you will see it it's been done to me fairly recently actually um with a thunderhawk of all things would you believe so um very interesting army choice but yeah can be can be good uh can also run some severe risks so just to beware so those basically uh, in very simple terms and there's many many variants thereof and i'm sure people know many more than i do but those are four potential deployment tactics that you could use and like i said the key here is to um, make it as difficult as possible for your opponent so that you they have to think about what they're doing and that's really key so what the idea is that you know use one of those deployment types or anything else for that matter or a mixture of them But really what you what you want to be doing is getting your opponent to make decisions. And that's key, because if you're getting your opponent to think and make decisions, there's a chance they may make the wrong decision. And that may leave an opening for you. If, however, you make it very easy for them by putting all of your units in the same place, for example, or, you know, going to meet an assault unit with a not such a good assault unit you've made it very easy for them. It's, it's straightforward. They don't have to really think about what they're doing. If they start to think about what they're doing, um, then things get difficult for them. And like I said, they may make the wrong choice. So what we're gonna do now is um, talk through some of the common army lists, okay? And their kind of strategies. And what that does is that gives you the opportunity to work out how best to deploy against them and what you should do to deploy against them. So I'll cover the um, the sort of five or six uh, types that there are in my experience. And like I said, just to stress the point, you know, I'm not a gaming pro. These are just uh, types that I've seen that I've kind of think are fairly common. And if you look through lists, you can see these themes going forward. So let's start at probably the most common um, army list and how to deploy against it. So the most common type, I think, is the sort of smash and grab. And this is usually a combination list, which would have, um, shooting, but mainly, uh, transport based or deep strike based, uh, units, uh, to come in and take objectives or to get in deployment zones. So the idea here is that you've got a balance of shooting so that you can shoot some of the units that would prevent your scoring units from getting where they need to be. But you've also got some, um, assault units. That are going to basically go in and do that for you. So it's a, it's a fairly balanced list. It, it works pretty well on all things because, you know, you, you can shoot and you can assault. The problem to a certain extent with balance lists is that you're going to be the master of none here. So you're never going to outshoot anybody unless they are a complete assault unit. Uh, and you're never going to out assault somebody because you haven't got enough assault units. So getting a mixture of the two is quite difficult, but it does, you know, it does make you quite versatile. It means you can deal with most things. Now, how do you deal with that as a unit? Well, you can look at the army list and think it's got some shooting us. It might have some heavy support choices, some tanks with long range. It might have um, maybe artillery, but that's a slightly different variant on the theme. Uh, and it may have um, just some sort of general 36 range plus shooting attacks from different sources, um, some deradeos, that kind of thing. But it also would have something like potentially Spartan or two, um, maybe uh, some Rhino with some tactical squads in, um, maybe some deep striking units coming in, uh, all of those kinds of sort of storm eagles with troops in that kind of caper. So all of those things are, are possible. And um, what you want to do here is you want to try and work out what it is that you need to shoot. Now, the thing that a lot of people forget about is that there are only so many scoring units in Heresy. Now, unlike in the... Um, 40k world where everything was scoring and you had the objective secured I think special rule if you were troops in heresy it's more like how the old 6th edition used to be where as a rule only your troop choices are scoring and only some of those unless you've got a right of war or you've got the impeccable advance rule which makes your um, elites or terminators in this instance scoring so you can concentrate if you have a shooting based army on shooting the um, the things that score, uh, which is a good tactic because if he can't score, they can't generally win. The problem with that is that you would need to probably work out what the balance yourself between shooting them and shooting the things that are shooting you. So it's a tricky one. In terms of how you would deploy against a, that army, well, you'd know they're coming for you. So at some point, he's going to be driving or flying or deep striking. And I say he, they we um will be doing one of those things. So you can deploy it accordingly. So if they've got Spartans, for example, you want to be shooting those Spartans in the side. So use your flanks. Um, force your... Um, it's an interesting one about whether you go first or second with this because it's really about if if they're deploying first, you can deploy to counter that, which is actually a pretty good tactic, particularly if you've got a shooting army. Um, if they're if you're going first it's slightly more difficult because you're gonna to have to guess where they're going to go so i would suggest that um use your flanks um concentrate on the objectives of the mission which will probably be to get some kind of scoring unit somewhere else uh, and to give you the best chance of doing that and again put your stuff in cover don't make things too easy for them Um, don't leave units out in the open know that you're going to if you're going second that you're going to take a first round of shooting so it's it's a the common types, but like I said, the things that you want to worry about are probably um, the assault troops and coming across to cause you some bother and getting into deployment zone. So that's the name of the game there. Uh, if, the, if it's an objective-based mission, again, the same does apply. I would also probably think about th- looking at their shooting capability and matching that up against your own shooting capability. So this comes down to this great word, target prioritization. And again, this is a skill. It's hard to kind of teach, but... Um, this is something that you pick up as you play more, i.e. knowing what the other person has and which units to concentrate your fire on or your assault troops on, because they're the ones that are the most dangerous. So most people will have a list in their head of things to concentrate on. So Spartans can be quite high up, um, but it very much depends on what sort of army you have, because bear in mind that if they've just got two, well, four Las cannon shots on a Spartan, which is really quite devastating if you're against a a tank-based army but if you're against a a big horde of um, troops for example it it doesn't really matter it may be that you you could forget about the spartan for the first turn because you know it's going to drive 12 and then potentially either shoot his machine spirit and then snap fire the other gun or it's going to go for uh, an extra bit of um, uh, extra bit of land by doing a turbo boost but so you know they're coming for you. You just need to deploy accordingly. If you're going first, like I said, that's what I would suggest that you think about where you need to be. If you're going second, uh, think about where he is and what units he, what units they have, and also where you need to put your units for maximum effect. So, as alluded to earlier, if you do have the opportunity. Always set up your shooting against a Spartan so you hit in the side because that flare shield is such a difficult thing to get through. The same to a certain extent with the um, Trios, I think it is, the armored conveyor from the Mechanicum, um, and any other, I think the um, Dracosian transports can have flare shields as well, Um, Malkador's can have flare shields. Anything with a flare shield with armor 14 or higher is a real tough cookie to crack. Um, so you know, those are the things you probably want out of the way. If you can shoot or even immobilise a Spartan, turn one, then it's job done um, because it's going nowhere. It means whatever's inside is not going to get to you quickly. It's going to have to hoof it across. If it's got cataphractite terminators, that they can't run. So you know, they could be potentially put out of the game if you can get that shot off. So again, you know they're coming for you. You need to stop that. You need to put enough um, shooting in place to deal with it. So. That's the smash and grab, which is a mixture of the two. The second list really is where everything is assaulting. So there's no shooting. It's the raging bull, as I've called it. And this is, you know, sort of classic world eater stuff. Um, but basically nothing in the, in the army is going to sit back. Everything is going for it. One way or another, either via charging across the board, running, deep striking, whatever they can, they're going to get to you as quickly as possible. So if you have a raging bull at the other side of the table, what don't you want to do? Well, what you don't want to do is to make things easy for them by deploying at the edge of your deployment zone, unless you're super confident that your um, in assault your units will win. Okay? So what you probably want to do in that instance is to accept the fact that they're going to charge at you and deploy accordingly, i.e. further back. What you want to try, if you've got a shooting army, is to... Give yourself two turns of shooting before you're assaulted. That's the ideal, because that will give you the best chances of stopping that assault. If you've got your own assault army or you've got a smash and grab, which is a mix, um, you want to deploy your stuff that's scoring as far away from his evil assaulting units as, as humanly possible. Because the advantage of that is if they have got stuff that's deep striking, for example, um, you can then force them to deep strike back into their own deployment zone because if they don't deal with your scoring units they would lose the game so those are the kinds of things you need to think about so the raging bull is tough um like i said it will be full of spartans um if you're going to town it's going to have a mastodon which wow you know good luck with that dealing with that thing um but yeah it's going to have all sorts of stuff that's just going to be in transports or running or deep striking and they're going to just Want to get into as quickly as possible. So don't make it easy for them. Deploy as far away as you possibly can. Give yourself as much time to react as is humanly possible because they're not going to be thinking too much. You know, those armies don't actually uh, require a lot of thinking, which is why my second army is probably a World Eaters one because it doesn't require a lot of thinking. You know, they're basically there just to drive forward and to m- murderize everything in front of them in a, in a red mist, which looks fantastic. Like I said, how, how you deploy against it, don't don't play that game. Don't think you can out-assault an assault army if you have not got a specialist assault army yourself. Deploy at the back, give yourself time to take the assault and react to it accordingly. So again, making your um, uh, opponent think about things. If they do have Spartans, try and line up some fields of fire so that you can catch them in the sides rather than at the front. Um, that kind of thing. Uh, they may also have, in the Raging Bull, another common tactic is to have a Leviathan uh, Dreadnought drop-in via a drop pod, which is always tricky to deal with. Again, uh, if you think that's coming, if there's deep striking, split your army. Um, don't deploy all in one place. Like, I mean, you can castle up, for sure, uh, and it has got its advantages, but actually it makes it very easy for a another player to work out where they need to deploy their deep striking or assault units because there's only one place to go and that's straight at you now whether you've got enough firepower to drive them back is a question but ultimately if you split your army in two which you know some people would argue is is mental they've got to go to two places which means they've got to split their assault army in two And, and a lot of assault armies require backup so they may have a initial sort of first or second turn assault phase where they're looking to cause them out a lot of damage but they know that the chances of that unit surviving are, are minimal but they're backed up with another unit behind them to keep that kind of momentum going if you split your army and maybe put one in each corner for example let's say they've got to work out which units go where and they may not be able to have that kind of rolling assault so again think about what you're doing in deployment see if it works for you um again try don't try and make things too easy for your opponent in that regard the third and um, my personal um, favourite currently is the is what I've uh, called the Storm of Iron deployment. And this is really not particularly quite a regular thought. It's a tonne of shooting, usually longer range shooting, so 36 to 48 or longer. Um, and the idea with this army is that you line it up, generally behind some kind of defence line or something like that, and you shoot anything that comes anywhere near you so for example in my particular army to do this i will i've got things like iron Havocs, i've got tyrant siege terminators quad launchers um arcus tanks all of these great shooting units and the idea is ultimately is to shoot whatever comes at you and to hope that you've got enough scoring units left to get into objectives to get into deployment zones so It does have its advantages for sure, which is it's very, it's very strong and very powerful, but does have its disadvantages. And the disadvantage is there is nothing in there that is going to do you any good in assault, which means if you can't stop somebody getting at you, you can't do anything about it. And the army crumbles very quickly. So classic example of of this and and where it doesn't work or didn't work for me was against Chris's custodies uh, who are very, very durable. And I thought I'd have no problem shooting them off the board before they got to me. And I was proved horribly wrong. So once, you know, two custodians get into the back line of my um, units, it's it's all over. You know, I can't do enough in um, close combat to, to stop them. You know, they're killing a couple of guys and then I'm failing leadership tests. And they're, because they're right next to the edge of the board, they're off the board. So it, that's basically what you want to do with the Storm of Iron. You need to kind of weigh out. If you've got your own shooting army and your own shooting lists, can you outshoot them? Not very exciting, but, you know, this is basically what it's going to boil down to. And can you make the right target priorities uh, in order to make, to minimise their ability to shoot back? So if you haven't got a shooting army and you've got an assault army, again, the key here is how quickly can you get your units across and where do they need to go to give you the best chance of success so do you deploy as I've mentioned your Spartans with when somebody's iron havoc for example have got a side shot on your Spartan you absolutely don't want to be doing that because they will destroy it you know 10 las cannons hitting on twos you've probably given them near an ammo dump if you like me re-rolling ones and they've got tank hunters so fives and sixes and re-rolling any mists any failed armor pens they will take a Spartan out in a turn without any bother most of the time, unless I'm rolling the dice, of course. But, so you need to make sure that you're thinking about, you know, what is your opponent trying to do? And again, don't make things too easy for them. You could um, look at the the range of their guns and see if you can deploy outside of the range of their guns, particularly if you're going to go second. Um, going second with an assault army against a shooting army is generally considered you won't have a chance because they will shoot you off the board. However, all you've got to do is to look at the range of their guns and see where you can deploy that's outside the range of their guns. Now, a lot of people may put their shooting units in the middle, for example. So if that's the case, okay, that's cool, because I could probably reckon that Spartan with the flare shield, you know, it might have a fair chance of getting across the board. Uh, If I can stick it in cover on the first turn, for example, make sure it's got a dozer blade so that it gets a four plus save against any shooting with the flare shield you know, it's a fairly good chance that you're not going to get five whole points off it. You're not going to do a penetrating hit because unless you've got a strength 10 weapon, uh, because strength 9 is going to go down to strength 8 and the best of strength 8 can do is a glance against armor 14. So have a think about it. Um, see where they are. They may, Like I said, it is entirely possible to deploy your army on one flank and do a, a flank charge. So basically you come down a side as quickly as possible and then along. Um, and that can cause all sorts of bother for gun lines uh, because as soon as you're in close combat, you tend to you know start to really um, make a big difference to a gun and they crumble very quickly because they're just not designed for it. Now, there are some exceptions to that where you have an, a, a single unit that has a bit of close combat clout as well as some long range clout. And I'm looking at the Tyrant Siege Terminators in that instance because they are pretty good for that. But generally speaking, you know, once you start assaulting tanks with chain fists or melter bombs or melter guns even unless they put ceramite on and um, you're gonna you're gonna take them to bits so the idea here is if you've got somebody at the other end who is a gun line shooting army and you have an assault army or a mixture deploy your stuff away from the guns and try to get across that divide as quickly as possible and into that close combat sweet spot okay so the next one um, is a slight variation of the sort of smash and grab which is the sort of danger close and this is really where you have artillery and assault combos so somebody may take medusas they may take quad launchers um or any other uh, you know scorpius tanks um you know there's a whole range of different um barrage based weapons that don't require line of sight so they, you can line those up behind a building or some line of sight blocking thing you can stick a couple of um Guys, around strategically with nuncio boxes, so that you could still get your um, reduce the ballistics, or add the ballistic, or take the ballistic skill off any scatters. And the idea is that you absolutely annihilate your opponent with um, uh, big blast templates, whilst um, driving your assault troops onwards under sort of underneath that creeping barrage, I guess. Uh, can be effective. The Iron Warriors have got a very good tactic for that, which is called iron fire, but it's pretty risky because, you know, if you start chucking Medusa size um, strength 10 AP2 um, blasts around, there's always a chance it's going to scatter back on your units. But people will want to counter the, the um, artillery as quickly as possible because it's a dangerous threat and, and it's hard to get rid of, it, particularly if it's hidden. So yeah, what would you do about that? Well, you know what they're doing. Again, you can look at the list and think, right, it's got Medusa, it's got quad launchers, and it's got some terminators in a Spartan. I, this, you know, they're going to basically ass- try and artillery me and then try and assault me. So what do you need to do here, well, don't put your units all together. Make sure they're spread out because those bar- those blast templates will will really make a mess. Uh, bear in mind also that unless, even if you've got a defence line, unless the uh, hole on the blast template is in front of the defence line, you're not going to get a cover save. So, you know, they can make a real mess of people. So how do you deal with it? Well, depends on what army you've got. If you've got a shooting army, I would be concentrating my fire and spreading things out, uh, splitting my units, like I said, across the board to so, so that one can't scatter into another, uh, that kind of thing. A very spread out deployment, but I've also been looking to stop the assault um, because they they're probably invested quite a lot of points in... Um, the uh, uh artillery to make it worthwhile and that you know they're going to not have quite the the assault impact that they could have which is the sort of smash and grab variant but yeah i would um i would be looking to deal with that if i've got some assaulting myself some deep striking i would be absolutely looking to put that as near to the artillery as possible and um, to try and actually do my own kind of counter-attack to get rid of that artillery again that's that's quite risky um, but if you can spread your units out and you can deal with their um, oncoming assault, in the meantime, launch your own counterattack, it makes for a great game, uh, but can always be pretty close. But you don't see it too often because I think it's, like I said, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Um, you may see artillery with a shooting army, a gun line, for example, quite often. Um, but yeah, it's it has its advantages now and again. So there's that. Uh, the, the next one is what I call the hidden and dangerous, which you see quite a lot at because um, of Vanguard veteran squads. And this is where they use infiltrators, scout, and the outflank role. So again, similar to um, you know your your kind of um, drop pod assault stuff. Uh, this is where somebody's going to be coming on uh, from turn two onwards, but they're going to be coming on on a flank. Okay. So if you have a gun line, for example, that can be masked, that can be catastrophic. They haven't you know, had to traverse the valley of death that you've set up to deliberately shoot anything that comes anywhere near you. What they've done is, you know, they've bypassed that using the outflank rule. And they're now driving on or walking on to the side of your army, exactly where you don't want them to be. And this is a very popular choice because, you know, Vanguard vets were a very good uh, squad. They've got good weapon combinations, you know. They're pretty handy in close combat as well. So they're all round. You, you see a lot of these variants. So how do you deal with infiltrators and scout and outflank? So I deal with them all kind of separately. So infiltrators, uh, another classic kind of alpha legion tactic. Well, augury scanners are, are, are good for this. So you may want to actually push your units up fair, a fair distance to make sure that your lines are covered by augury scanners. So 18 inches, um, I think is the pushes anybody back 18 inches minimum, um, with an augury scanner. So you can't get that thing where even if they can't be seen, they can be within 12. So you can kind of drive, um, units back that way, um, and make sure that they're not close enough that, you know, they can be doing a turn two assault. Or if you've got tanks that they've got, you know, um, melter guns in range really quickly, that kind of thing. So that's one way to deal with infiltrators. Um, they're still going to be close enough, mind, but, um, you know, th- th- you can push them back a little way. Uh, th- the other thing is scout. There's not a lot you can do about scout moves, um, particularly, you know, with on bikes, for example, or beasts. If somebody's running, I noticed in the uh, lists, the, um, somebody's got, uh, some beasts of corn. I forget what they're called. Flesh hounds, I think they are. Now, I remember back in the day them being really effective, um, as a demon unit. Really, really effective. they got scout, they're, you know, they can get a proper move on because they're beasts. Um, You know, how do you stop these? Well, you, you want to be as far away as you can from them. I think is, is the answer to that question. They're going to get to you. You just need to make sure to minimise the chances of them getting a turn one or two assault, or turn two assault. You can't assault after a scout move. But the outflanking is interesting because that happens a lot. And there are, you know, what do you do about it? Because really, you, what you don't want is to be having to fight that battle on three sides. You know, if you're fighting on three sides, chances are things aren't going to go well for you because you're having to split your fire in three different areas. So, how do you stop it? Well, there's a couple of things you can do. Um There aren't, there isn't anything that I'm aware of, but I might be wrong. That's just got plain old um, interceptor. Now, a lot of people have misread the augury scanner rule uh, over the years and said that augury scanners can shoot infiltrators. They can't. An augury scanner can. Give you the ability to shoot within eight inches of anything that deep strikes you, but it's not the same as something coming in via outflank. It's a reserve coming on for sure, but it's only um, against deep strikes that the always scanner works. So they're going to come on. What do you do? Well, you can pick a corner and make sure there isn't enough room for them to come in in your deployment zone. And you can do that if you're feeling particularly crazy or. Um, Want to make somebody's day slightly awkward by ensuring that there isn't a gap in your troops. You could basically line a squad of ten marines up, and I have done this when I've faced a really serious infiltrating armies uh, along one side of you. So if you imagine a board with the with the standard Dawn of War deployment zone, you could cut off at least one side to a certain sort of size across the board, so that when they do come on, they're not coming on right at the side; they're coming on slightly in front, and that they can't then. You know, you can actually protect your units that are right at the back with a long range from say, melter guns, because you've, you've forced them back. So what you do is you just basically line up a line of tactical marines or whatever cheap unit you've got, and um, spread them out every two inches across a, an edge of your board and that means they have to come on they can't get come through that unit but they have to come at the top of that unit so it gives you a little bit more of pushing them back again that whole idea of making sure that they're um not coming in and uh, wrecking your day very easily gives the opponent something to think about again it's a bit of a ropey tactic if i'm honest with you and if i was playing a fun game i'd never do it um but i think if i was faced with a you know people using lots and lots of vanguard vets i may consider it I have used it in the past, I won't lie, um, to stop infiltrators. And interesting enough, I got the idea of that particular one from uh, a, a really, it's probably still kicking around somewhere on the internet, but way back in the day, and it may have been, I don't know which edition it was. Um, there's this great photo of this guy, uh, of Warhammer World, I think it was, looking at a book with a ref, you know, and kind of pointing out, and this other guy sitting down on, on the, by his army, just smiling, You know, and this bloke sitting down looks really happy with himself. This guy who's sort of of like, you know, arguing with the referee looks really angry. And the reason is what happened was, um, this guy who looks really angry, uh, was a, you know, a sort of semi pro player, I suppose, or somebody who won a lot of games. And they had a null deployment kind of uh, army. I think it might have been some sort of White Scars or Dark Angels variant. So it was all bikes. And so what what happened is that they wouldn't deploy anything on the first turn. They'd come in on the first turn um, and these bikes would come charging across the board and they wouldn't get shot at, etc, etc. A good tactic. But what the other guy had was he had a load of scouts. And the scouts had the infiltrate rule. And so he had enough scout units to line them up every two inches and basically block off the entire back end of the deployment zone. So... What happened is, obviously, turn one, uh, this guy goes first, or the other guy who had the null deployment made the guy go first. He infiltrated his scouts, and because there was no units within on the board at all from his opponent, he could put them anywhere, and they lined up all the way along the back back edge of the the board, so the full six foot. Uh, And the guy then, on his turn, couldn't bring any units on because he couldn't move them through another unit and he lost the game, which I thought was hilarious. I mean, the, the picture is very funny because you can just tell it by the picture. But anyway, the tactic is, yeah, it's a bit cheesy. Um I won't lie to you and I would not use it in a friendly game. Um Although I probably have against uh, Christian and his um Alpha Legion. So sorry, mate. But um yeah, just to say you can do it you know, how it is very much a gamey thing to do. It's not very narrative. It is about, you know, taking that sort of meta to the next level, but you know, there it is. It can be done. It's, it's a way of getting rid or at least making things more difficult for your opponent if they're infiltrating, because they can't then come at the side from short range, six inch range and start melting stuff. You're pushing them out further up the board where it's 12 inches or, you know, further on. So they can't be rapid firing plasma guns or something along those lines. So, yeah, it works. Um, whether you'll be particularly popular doing it is another matter. The third, uh, the third, the sixth um, sort of uh, type of army list is the fire from heavens. I've called it, and this is really your classic drop pod assault. You know, reserve assault, reserve deployment, rather non deployments. All of that thing, and that is basically where your opponent is not going to put a great deal down, if anything, on the first turn. Um, what they're going to do is they're going to bring everything in sorry, yeah, not going to put anything down in deployment. They're going to bring everything in either first turn and then have ongoing reserves from that point. So how do you deal with that? Well, let's say for argument's sake, there's a it's a big you don't see many of them, but a big drop pod-based army. Um and they've got you know six units in drop pods. You know that three of them are coming down turn one because they have to halve them, so maybe even four, and they're going to be coming down in traditional non-Dreadclaw style drop pods. They're going to be landing, they're going to be disgorging, probably some fairly um, reasonable close shooting troops um, to cause maximum damage to your army, melter guns, plasma guns, that kind of uh, caper. So how do you deploy against that? Well, you don't see it too often, to be fair, weirdly enough. I certainly saw it more in 40k 7th than I, than I have done in Heresy. But there's a number of things you can do. Augury scanners, I think, are probably the reason why it's not used that often. So the Augury scanner, again, is your is your, one of the best upgrades for five points in the game. It's a belter. Because what that means is that um, anything that deep strikes within 18 of a, a model with it... Um, any Yeah, so anything that deep strikes at 18 of the model, not the unit, the model, um, you can then intercept. So if you drop a drop pod down and then the guys get out and they're within 18 inches of your last cannon squad, that last cannon squad, if it's got an augury scanner, could shoot that unit and probably destroy it. So means that people think oh no i can't really deploy i don't want to deploy that close and if they're not deploying that close then the effectiveness of their guns are probably lessened because if they're not within 12 for example rapid fire is only you know it's only one shot now so if you had a squad full a support squad full of plasma guns and they were coming in in a drop pod and you push them back because you think they're thinking i don't want to be intercepted you know they're only firing one shot so that's 10 shots as opposed to 20 shots and that's a big difference so augury scanners are your friends here And you want to make sure that if you are um, a non assault unit, sorry, a non assault army, that you have cover for your um, augury scanners. Um, The the Medicaid, actually, not the Medicaid, the, um, oh, flipping it, what they call it, Pocket 3 is another great unit. 45 points, gives you further pain. Five points extra, give them an augury scanner. You can only go with uh, infantry squads, but that's fine. Your heavy support squads, your tactical support squads with plasma guns, for example. And all of a sudden, you've got a unit that's, uh, people who are deep striking need to really worry about. Um, unless they're coming down in dread claws. And it's slightly more difficult because dread claws mean they'd have to get out. And dread claws are quite tricky to deal with. They're not impossible. But remember, when the dread claw comes down, it's not in flying mode, it's in hover mode. So you're not going to be hitting on sixes, you're going to be hitting normal ballistic skill. And like I said, if you've got an auger scanner on a uh, last cannon squad, or even a, anything with auto cannons or missile launchers, there's a good chance that they can deal with it. Um, so yeah, augury scanners are your friends. Um, rem- remember that your master signals as a cognis signum which gives them an auger scanner. Very worth remembering that one. Um, so yeah, that's what I would do. That's basically the way you deal with that. Now it's, Slightly more difficult when you've got, um, things like thunder Hawks coming in. Uh, that really does take some thinking about. Um, but you know, the rules still apply. Um, and it is, you know, although they're a tricky thing to deal with, you could still intercept it if you so wished, but it's such a big model and it looks, it actually looks awesome. So it's, it's, it's allowed, but yeah, that's, that's really what you want to do. Again, you probably don't want to deploy all your army in one place if it's a full on drop pod assault style army because. You make it easy for your opponent; they they don't have to decide where their units are going. They're all going in one place. If you put x units over here and y units over here, and a mixture of powerful units in both, then your opponent has now to split his forces. And again, that point about assault armies require an initial assault plus ongoing commitment to to really make that hammer home. And you can't; they can't do that. Then they can't get enough units in the places they need them to be because they can't have that ongoing kind of constant feed of units into the sort of meat grinder so again thinking about how you deploy thinking about the best way to deploy but again making your opponent make some decisions so really key so there you go those really are the in a very very quick uh, and easy guide to deployment and how it works uh, some of the list types that you're, you're facing against and and how you deal with them so what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to run through very quickly um, some lists that uh, I might or might not be facing at the forthcoming uh, heresy heresy event in London. And I've just taken these completely at random. I haven't picked any in particular. But what I'll do is I'll just tell you very briefly what's in my list. We'll go through this more in the actual Dreadclaw episode. But uh, what's in my list is uh, I've got 10 Cannon Iron Havocs. I've got, um, I think, six or seven t- siege tyrants um, with uh, Martyr Signals, a... Uh, siege breaker and Keir Valen. Uh I've got a defense line with two barricades I've got an ammo dump uh, I've got two Sikarian Arcuses both with the Skyfire missiles and one with the uh, anti um, or the instant death against things with a cortex controller um, things I've got three tactical squads in Rhinos I've got a tactical squad uh, sorry a tactical support squad with plasma guns in no transport Um so you know a fairly mixed bag of stuff Going on. Oh, and, um, three quad launches with phosphix I'm ashamed to say. So I've just picked a, a few units at random. and this is how I would probably deploy against them. So the first one I've picked out, which is a thousand suns. I won't name any names. Um, is a thousand suns. Um, which is using the, and there's a lot of thousand suns about. So I expect to face at least one over the weekend, if not more. So the old guard of the Crimson King rule. So I'm not familiar with it. I probably should look at this up, but I can see just by looking at the unit they've got Praetor, Iron Halo, Power Fist, Paragon. That's an interesting choice. Power Fist and Paragon Blade. Uh, that is a guy who doesn't want to mess about. Digital lasers with extra attack. Level three psycho already. Wow. Uh, he's got the Raptora Arcane Litanies I mean that's an expensive HQ but wow um, and he's got a Centurion which is Primus Medicus so he's obviously looking to give him a feeling of pain as well to make a bit of a Death Star uh, Sekhmet Terminators uh, so there's what was that four additional Terminators so that's probably what nine Terminators I guess I don't know how many they come in to start with but four Chain Fist four Combi Melters how that's nasty isn't it crikey I didn't realise how bad that was same again uh, except this is just the normal four, I think. Yeah, rather than that. So I'm assuming that the Praetor, the Mega Praetor, and the Centurion are all going to go in with the Sekhmet Terminator Cabal. Whew, that's going to take some stopping. Uh, and then we've got um, whatever these guys are, Kanetai Occult Blade Cabal. No idea. Blade Master. They look like they're probably a salty. Uh, then fast attack. We've got another whatever that is. Amitara. I'd really need to read book seven, don't I? In Session Cabal. Uh, Look, sounds awful. I'm not lying, it sounds proper tough. Uh, some, a single javelin attack speeder, which is quite cool, and a Dreadclaw drop pod, our old friend, plus two, not one, but two Spartan assault tanks with flare shields and dozer blades and armoured ceramite. And, just to finish it all off, a Cestus Knight Castigator. Wow. That's a that's a list, isn't it? Struth. Okay, so knowing what I know, what's this list going to do? So this list is a drive up, cause bother. There's no Magnus, so I'm expecting he's probably thinking he's got away with it. Um, people aren't, oh, that's okay, it's not got Magnus. That is a toughie. So he's going to be driving forward with the Praetor, the Centurion, and the big uh, Terminator Cabal in one of the Spartans. Okay. The second Spartan is going to have the other Cabal in, I guess. I'm just guessing here. Well, yeah, cause uh, um, and then the f- the one of the other units. I'm not quite sure whether the it, one of these fast attack choices has got um, jump packs or something. But I'm guessing that the occult blade Cabal, let's say, is going to go in the um, Dreadclaw, which just leaves the um, small matter of the Knight. So, and the javelin Attack Speeder, which has incidentally got the Infiltrate um, rule. So this is a list that's pretty much got a bit of everything going on. Um, It's a, it's very much looks like a a, a sort of Raging Bull style list. Um, I'm not sure, it might be, but uh, it's got psychic powers coming out the wazoo and it's got a knight and it's one to avoid. So anyway... How would I deal with this? So in terms of deployment, so I know they're coming for me. There's nothing I can do about it. Have I got enough to stop it? And that's the question. So would I be going first or second as a choice on this one? Really good point. Now the Night Castigator again. I should probably look it up. Is going to be on its toes, I guess, and probably coming for me. And he's hoping that's going to draw the fire away from the from the Spartans. But to be honest with you, I reckon if I I would be deploying as far away as possible from this army. I won't lie to you. This would I would be right on the back line here, uh, behind the defence line, <laughs> uh, looking to get some side shots on the Spartans. Now, I reckon a Iron Havoc squad with Tank Hunter could probably take the Night Castigator, even with a um, whatever is invulnerable is three or four. I'm, I'm fairly confident for that. But I think that what I would probably want to be doing is to take out the Spartan tank with the guys inside that are the, the sort of death star, because if I can stop them from getting into my deployment zone, I'll be a happy man. And they're going to have to hoof it across on foot. I don't know what type of, whether Sekhmet Terminators have got um, uh, the slow and purposeful rule or not. So I think that that is a great list to give you an example of some of the stuff you have to deal with. So yeah, right on the back line, I'll be looking to defend and I'll be looking to shoot as much as possible. Now, I think if I go first, he will put his Spartans in a position where I can't shoot them um, from the side because that's what I would do. So I'd have to have a think about this. Whether If I had the choice, would I go first or second? Depending on the mission, and we've said it's just uh, get into the other sides of the deployment zone one, I think I would go second. I would hide everything up, go second. He's not got a lot of shooting. Um, as far as I can tell, I don't, I'm not sure at the night castigator I'll have to look it up. So I would be sitting on the back line uh aiming for the Spartans, going second, giving him a decision to make, uh, trying to get those Spartans out of the game, because I'm assuming they're going to be on the 12-inch deployment line ready to go. To so take the Spartans out with the uh, Iron Havocs, or one of the Spartans with the Iron Havocs. I would probably use the um, Siege Tyrants to take out the, or try to take out, the Knight, because they've got Tank Hunter. Um, other than that, I would probably be... Um, sitting around and waiting with the rest of the, the Arcuses again they could probably take the night or they could if I can get a side shot uh, and glance it to death if I don't move if I'm really lucky and it's within range take the other Spartan out so that would be my plan for that particular army so there you go we've run out of time because it's an hour but um just to give you some idea of some of the crazy that you've got to deal with because that army list does look like a like a toughie and um, give you some idea of what you should think about in the deployment and where they should go first or second so I hope everybody's found that particularly useful um as i said i will leave you with the old adage that regardless of what i've said the the truth of the matter is that um plans are great right up until first contact with the enemy and then they just go out the window so good luck happy happy hunting out there and uh, i look forward to speaking to you soon dread claw out do, 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 do.